and I sat in my room for four days straight waiting for a phone call. <laughs> and my roommate said, Shannon, you have got to get out of your room. Come take a walk with me. I'm like, no, I know if I leave the room, he's gonna call. But she convinced me to go for a walk, got back to my room, and sure enough, he had called. <laughs> and left a message, which meant now I had to call him back. What if someone else besides him answered the phone and what was I gonna say? And Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, we talk about how we met. One take, nicely done. Thank you. You're the best. I know. Okay. Hey, get out your phone. Okay. And pull up that thing that you shared with me the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. How do I get to that? Oh, I think do, you just passed do, it. Do, 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 do. Okay. Is it turned up? Let me turn it up. Sounds like a bear. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. One more. No, that's enough. <laughs> um yeah, it does sound like a bear. My I, my my wife has always told me that I snore and I totally don't believe her. Even though I've recorded him a few different times. I'm proud of that right <laughs> but there. But that one was classic. <laughs> I would I probably wouldn't have recorded it. Except for that the night before, he had done the very same thing. And so we go to bed, and I'm still reading a book. I'm not ready to fall asleep. Turn the light out. He's asleep just like that. And about 45 <laughs> seconds into him falling asleep, that started. And I thought, oh, dear heavens, not again. I'm so thankful I'm not sleepy yet. So I got out my recorder, and I recorded him because it was so bad. <laughs> What's even better, though, is, as Shannon shared that with me uh, the other day, uh, you said something about, you know, when I keep you up all night and I'm snoring. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then... So, probably about two weeks ago, uh, I was having a hard time sleeping. All night. All night. Because he snored. And I can remember looking at the clock at four o'clock in the morning going, please just let me fall asleep. And I finally fell asleep. And the next thing I know, he's shoving in me, telling me, honey, roll over. You're snoring. I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, you know, it, fine. Snore. Keep me up all night. But it! if I fall asleep, you better not be waking me up to tell me that I'm snoring. Once again, we don't have a perfect marriage. <clears throat> and sometimes it's the little things that make it hard to love your spouse. And yet we're still called to love each other unconditionally, even though you're tempted to smother them with a pillow. Okay. Hit them with a frying pan. I've got a really good cast iron one. Stab them in the heart while they're asleep. They'll never know. Oh, I was so mad at you the next day too. And 
and I can't treat you poorly because it's I'm not asleep. like, but lack of sleep, being woken up, feeling frustrated because he's telling me to stop snoring when he's the one that snored all night. And I still had to treat you kindly. That's right. You still have to treat me kindly. That's that idea of act within your own integrity. Even right. though I'm doing stuff that's bugging the crap out of you. Oh, I just You are to be kind angry. enough, kind enough to treat me appropriately and respectfully and gracefully. And I didn't even tell you about it then. And you didn't even complain. Mm-mm. You just recorded it and, you know, used <laughs> and it And then brought way. it up later. And, and made a podcast out of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Today, we should talk about our early history and how much we were clueless on how to do marriage. And we, a lot of people ask us, well, how did you meet? Yeah. What's your story? Yeah. And it's a... So we'll try to keep it condensed as much as possible and just keep to the facts, but... <laughs> um, let's see, who's not going to be able to do that? Yeah, that's why Mr. I'm... Mr. Talkative or Mr. Miss Embellishment? I'm not talk... <laughs> so, I'm not talkative. Even though I had a client the other day who's been watching a lot of these videos, uh-huh. quoted me, quoted, this is a quote of her saying, more Shannon, <laughs> less Paul and more Shannon. So apparently I need to keep my mouth shut because they like to I hear from try, you. I do try, but sometimes he doesn't <clears throat> take a pause long enough for me to get a word in. More Shannon. More Shannon. That's what we're shooting for. So how did we meet? So we both went to a private Christian private Christian college in San Diego. Yep. Well, he wasn't actually at the college at the time. But I the, worked at the church that was associated with the college. Right. And every year the college would, and the church would put on a great big Christmas production called Christmas Desserts. And it was always down in a great big hotel in downtown San Diego. I was in the music program. And so we always had the option to perform in the Christmas Desserts. And so, of course, I decided I would do that. So we would have rehearsals for a long time prior to. I remember seeing him while we were doing a rehearsal and he's just wandering around and I was thinking, oh, that guy is pretty cute. And the interesting thing is, I remember actually having seen him the year before um, wandering around at the hotel when we did our performance that year, thinking, oh, he's really good looking, but he's way too old for me. We're the same age. So... I'm a month older than she is. Yeah, so that was kind of a funny thing. So to get the production started, they have a full night of um, setting up, 24 hours of moving into this hotel and taking over the banquet room and setting all all the equipment and stages and production stuff. And um, I was working there for the full day, getting that ready, and she was helping out as well, except she was sick as a dog. I mean, really, really sick. And she was laying in the middle of the floor the on, a, floor on a pillow, you know, just looking like death warmed over. And I can remember walking past her and going, man, again, in my head going, boy, she doesn't look so good. And so I said, what? You can... You, you asked me, do I need another pillow? Oh, did I? You did. That was the first thing you asked me. He's like... You That's know, the line right there, guys. Do you need guys. another pillow? Do you need another pillow? And I was like hey, that guy just paid attention to me that I've been scoping out. So this is a full 24-hour setup, and so it's getting close to time to clean up all of our stuff in the ballroom so they can get set up and we can get the show going. And he walks past me again, and he says, hey, you want to store your pillow under my um, spotlight? spotlight? I was running spotlight for the production. And my heart was going pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter as fast as it could. (laughs) This is such a sad story. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 
And so that was the beginning. We had nice. noticed each other and she did store her pillow under my spotlight. That's not an innuendo. <laughs> That's an actual, she had a pillow. I had a spotlight. She stored it underneath. Um, you do remember we said we went to a Christian college. Yeah. So that explains. <laughs> no innuendos. <laughs> right. And throughout the week, she would. Oh, so I didn't have a car and I, so I couldn't drive to the, down to the, uh, Hotel. Uh, hotel in the evenings before the show got started and the little setup that we would have to do i would beg my friends that could drive that were in the show to take us early so we could get there early so that i could find where he was at and i could plant myself somewhere close that he would notice me strategically in point in, in line of sight right so i would see her and i'll admit i would go down there looking for her it's like okay where is she but then you have to play it cool you can't just go up and talk to her because who would go up and just talk to a girl that's right. crazy so you would find some sort of lame excuse to meander by her with a mic cord or whatever it is and have some reason to start talking to her again well, the the first time that you really talked to me, I had spent a lot of time curling my hair. And so my, I had lots of curls in my hair. And he said, oh, your hair looks really good like that or something along those lines. And I was just like, oh. I don't remember that. Yeah. That was probably the first thing that you really wow. said to me was about my hair. Okay. Yeah. And so that went on for seven days or, or however many days of this yeah. production. And we ended up talking more and more and Every sitting night and talking. Af- after and, the show, we'd yeah. sit up on the stage and talk. Yeah. So the last night they have a big um, dinner or, or kind of post-show for all the cast and crew. We have a big dinner together. And I can remember sitting down at a table and um, you coming in and oh coming sitting down next to you. Or did right. you come sit next to me? I no, no, I was sitting there. However, before we sat at the table, we we were doing some of the teardown, and I walked past you with a handful of stuff, and you actually asked me, uh, I have a question for you. And I was like, oh, no, deer in the headlights kind of look. And he said, I would love to take you out um, when you got back from Christmas break. And I was so excited about it. I was so so excited that I could have jumped up and down and screamed and you know all those things that you see in the movies that the girl does that Mm. you know um but I didn't want to scare him off and I didn't want to make him think that I was like overly gaga over him even though I was and so I said okay straight face no emotion (laughs) and you were worried that you played it too cool and I wasn't going to call you right that, but I wasn't thinking about it at that point. Right. I was just thinking about, oh, yeah. man. So um, then we have a dessert time and awards and fun stuff like that. So I went and sat down in their big table set with tin, And I'm sitting with all of my friends who have watched this go on. And some of them know Paul and some know both of us. And, and so I sit down and I save a chair next to me so that he can come sit next to me. Yeah. And we're having pie or whatever it is. And all my friends are just razzing me about it. And then he walks up and he sits down next to me. And they're all now they're all giving me the eye. And so it was just really fun. Yeah. However, there was another gal that was there that was older than both of us who was interested in Paul. And she came and took a chair <laughs> and slid it right in between us. There was no room, but she did it anyway. And I'm thinking... What in the world? So that was kind of a funny piece to that story. Yeah. So anyway. You, that was the end of the night. I think I actually drove you home that night and we just sat and talked for a while. Yeah. And then you were leaving the next day to go home to Oxnard. Yeah. For two weeks. For Christmas break. Yeah. So we didn't get to see each other. Right. And then I came back and um, 
I was going to call you. He was going to call me. Well, this is in the days before cell phones. Phones were actually attached to the wall. Right. And or you had to you sit. Had to use the payphone. You had to sit next to the phone, waiting for someone to call you. You well, couldn't just go out and about and be, do your life. Well, we, I, I did have an answering machine in my dorm room. Right. But anyway, so we didn't really, I guess, talk about when exactly no. he would call me. But no. so I get back and I got back a few days early and I sat in my room for four days straight waiting for a phone call. <laughs> and my roommate said, or not my roommate, what my best friend Susie said to me, Shannon, you have got to get out of your room. Come take a walk with me. I'm like, no, I know if I leave the room, he's going to call. But she convinced me to go for a walk, and it was really nice to get out into the sunlight and, you know, have some fresh yeah. air. Got back to my room, and sure enough, he had called <laughs> and left a message, which meant now had I me. had to call him back and back in I mean, it's not like back in the day, but back then for a girl to call a guy was even still, for me at least, new and scary. And what if someone else besides him answered the phone and what was I going to say? And anyway, so needless to say, I called him back and... We had two dates that week and I had told her that I was planning on uh, leaving and going to school, but it's now January, and in her mind, she was going, oh, he's leaving for school in September, in the fall. I was leaving in a week to do the the spring, winter and spring term back on the East Coast somewhere, and I was, I was leaving in a week. And then when I told her that... I was crushed, and I was really mad at God. I was thinking, you just brought this amazing totally gentleman gentleman guy into my life for two dates who does that yeah and um i was pretty disappointed about it i was my parents threw me a leaving going away party kind of thing and well they had contacted a friend of mine who was a friend of hers and actually got her invited to the party so when she showed up at the at the going away party it was like oh hey here's one more chance to see her right well here's the funny thing we got done with our second date. We He stayed. We talked in the car for oh, hours. And then when it was done, I got out and went into the school. But he didn't give me his address of where he was going to be. Cell phones didn't exist, so I couldn't call him. I had no way to contact him. So I really thought, two dates, and it's it's done. done. And yeah. I'm going, I, I got school, and I'll go home. I, so when my, my friend Brenda came and said, hey, um, Paul's mom invited you to go to this going away party. I was like, how does she even know about me? Okay, cool. So I went. I was really nervous about it Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I don't know any of these people. So I get there. Paul's not there yet. And we all sit down in the living room. We're all kind of, and Paul and a buddy walk into the house. And I remember this so clearly. Paul Paul's really surprised because everyone's there and he starts on one side of the room and he starts scanning around people and he gets to me and this look crosses his face, but he keeps going. And then he comes back and looks at me again like, wait, what are you doing here? And then his friend John says, so who's this girl that you've been ditching us for? (laughs) And I I could feel the heat go from my chest up into my face. And I was like, oh, no. And Paul said, just points at me. And I was like, 
oh, throw me under the bus. Oh, my word. So so I get on a plane and I fly off to uh, Virginia and I spend a semester out there. Um, and we did the old school correspondence, actual handwritten letters, right. uh, phone calls that we scheduled. And that's how we actually got to know each other. It was there was, you know, uh, a continent between us and we got to know each other's, you know, dreams and hopes and character and stories and history and all those things, you know, long distance. Right. And while I was back there, the school that she was attending um, contacted me and said, we'd like to give you a scholarship if you come, you know, run sound for our touring PR group. It was a singing group at the time. Um, so you can come back to San Diego. We'll pay for your tuition. I could live at home again. And I get to be at the school with the girl I'm interested in. Right. There's no downside to any of that. So I lasted one semester at, at that school back there and then came back and we did we had, a whole year together right. out at out at the school together. And by right. the end of that time, I we knew. I proposed to her. I proposed to her at a concert. I was running sound. It was a, one that we were performing at. And uh, during the concert, everyone does their introductions. And so during my introduction, I, I actually... Um, Made this wonderful speech yeah. about needing a someone to yeah. complete him and yeah. help him. Godly and, woman and all that thing. Uh -huh. and, and I asked her to marry me and she said yes. And here and, we are. And then we were engaged for a year and then we got married. And then immediately got married in April and then in September July. of, oh, in July of that year, we moved up here to Oregon and we've pretty much been up here the whole time since. Right. One of the things that stands out in this story is I hear the story again, even though I know the story, I hear it uh, from a different perspective this time. It's, it is how unbelievably cowardly I was in my pursuit of you. And this is actually one of the things that we talk about with Michael, our daughter, is finding guys who are willing to put themselves out there and risk getting rejected first. It is so hard to ask a girl out and have her say no, even though all the signs are pointing that she's pretty interested, she's probably gonna say right. yes. I should have manned up, you know, and said, I really like you. I've enjoyed getting to know this week and I really would like to take you out. You know, when you get back on Tuesday, so you're not waiting, can we schedule it now? And I would love to, you know, spend some more time with you because I like you. Right. But again, men are afraid. I usually say that um, the most fragile thing on the planet is a male ego. Guys are terrified of looking dumb, looking stupid. Um, looking insecure and yet I would argue as men that is what we are called to do is we we do the hard thing first we risk rejection first we risk looking stupid first we open up emotionally first not women we are supposed to open up emotionally first to you and invite you into an emotional conversation we're supposed to initiate and lead um, financially, spiritually, sexually, uh, relationally, parentally, right. all of these things. If you knew, oh, my husband is going to take the, take the hit, take the lead on this. And I know that I don't have to be made to look stupid. How would you feel? That would just relieve a lot. I, I can put it back into this thinking about our story and a piece that we didn't actually really talk about is the year that we dated was my senior year yeah. at school. And so I would be graduating in May and um, in 
in February, January, February, I'm going, okay, we've been dating, but I don't know where this yeah. is going. And I actually had to be the one that said, where look, I'm, I'm graduating. Yeah. I need to know what the plan is, where this is going. So, yeah. so if you had been able to initiate, initiate that, yeah. that would have definitely yeah. alleviated a lot on me and made me feel pursued. And yeah. not, not that <clears throat> I didn't feel pursued because we were dating sure, and, sure. and, but um, it it really caused a lot of stress in me that could have been alleviated. Yeah. And this is a thing that I did horribly in the early years of our marriage. And I still struggle with some of it now where you have to ask, you have to prompt, you have to initiate. It is the number one thing I usually hear from women who are sitting in my office um, <clears throat> talking to me about their relationship, even if they're either by themselves or even as a couple sitting in my office. It is this, I want my husband to initiate. A lot of husbands are willing to respond. They're, right. they're willing to be reactive, but they have a difficult time being proactive. And women want men to initiate. That's why I actually wrote a book called Initiate. Men, it's up to you to fix your marriage. Right. It's available on Amazon. You can get a Kindle version of it. I It's, it, it's that important to me. I, I wrote a book about it. It's the number one skill that I would like to get really, really good at in our relationship. And I think it's the it's an essential skill for every man out there is to overcome their own insecurity, their own fear of looking dumb, looking stupid, of of being made fun of, of, of having ridicule in some way. If you can overcome all of that and just go... I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to man up. I'm going to take the responsibility for this so that I can lead my wife and lead my life, lead right. myself well and good and do that in a way that's honoring to God, honoring to you, honoring to our children. It's hard to do and it's what I want to master and it's the thing that I was the worst at in our early relationship. And so I apologize for that, even though I've done that many, many times. Right. Right. Again, I always say I was as smart as a bag of hammers. I well, had no idea. Well, and I don't think that I really had any idea either. Yeah. So Because a lot of the things that you tell me, oh, I'm so sorry I did that. I look at it fondly going, mm. oh, he did that. Yeah. So when we actually got engaged mm -hmm. and you proposed mm -hmm. to me, that was definitely you taking the initiative yeah. because we had talked about making this pseudo announcement right. at the concert. So I knew that you were going to say something. Yeah. I had no idea you were going to actually propose to me. Yeah. So that was this like awesome, mm. just this wonderful, unexpected, made it so much cooler. The secure marriage framework, which we're constantly talking about, because this is the foundation for every secure marriage. It's only six skills you have to learn. You don't have to wait until you're 20 years married or 26 years married to start learning those things. In fact, all of these are designed for people who are engaged. And right. it's like, wait, no one's ever taught us how to do marriage. Marriage is like basketball. It's a skill you learn, how you relate with another human being. And the secure marriage framework is fantastic to lay this foundation if if you are thinking about getting married if you have that if you have your eye on that special someone and it's like i want to be prepared for that right. you don't have to wait until you're married you can go through this together you can go through it even by yourself if you wanted to go well, how does a good relationship work right so we would suggest that if you're listening to this and you aren't married yet or you're dating that one that you know you're going to marry, you're engaged or you're newly married, okay, somewhere in the early early years of the relationship, 
please start out with a really solid foundation, whether it's our program with the Secure Marriage Program or another program that is proven to work. It has to be proven, be based in scripture, be based in research, be based in practical application. Find a program, find something that is going to say, we're going to teach ourselves how to do marriage right so that we don't have to hurt each other for 26 years. We'll admit right now, I can't believe I'm going to do this, that this is our second run at this podcast because when we tried to do it yesterday... On our anniversary. We had a rip-roaring fight. We we had the lights on, we had the microphone on, and the minute we started, it's like we're not connected. There's a thing between us. And even though we love doing this podcast, this podcast is actually secondary to our real marriage. And so we turned everything off. Yes, we show you some of our fights. We don't show you all of them. I want to guard my wife's heart in some of this. Thank you. Um, And we had to go deal with it. And then we weren't in the place to actually record the podcast. So we had to give it 24 hours for us to actually like each other. Actually, we liked each other. We liked each other. Last night. We got over it. It's it's kind of like an emotional hangover. There you go. You have to just have time for your emotions to settle back down. And, and you're not in that state to, <clears throat> to do something of a production value like this. So it's the next day. It's the day after our anniversary, 26 years. And we like each other. We're connected again. We, we are. We're having a good time. I just have to interrupt. Our son is uh, auditioning for an Oregon, Oregon Thespian yeah. State uh, Showcase yeah. uh, in about four minutes so i'm wishing him well well let's just be done here and then i don't think there's anything else we need to cover nope thanks again for watching we'll uh, see you next time have a great day bye-bye bye-bye hey thanks so much for listening to the show this week if you want to find out how you can build your own secure marriage go to securemarriage.com and if you have a chance subscribe to our show on itunes or however you get your podcast and leave us a review while you're there You can also write us at podcast at securemarriage.com or follow us on Facebook. We're Paul and Shannon Elmore, and you've been listening to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse.